and there's still time. Hoi hoi and welcome to episode 114 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Steve Pander. And we haven't learned our lesson from last week. We're recording this podcast live from WFC 2's game against Arizona United at Thunderbird Stadium. So we're cock-a-hoop today. The Whitecaps got back to winning ways at BC Place. 2-1 win over Real Salt Lake. We're going to kind of look over the game a little bit, look ahead to what's in store, have a look at the new turf, variety of things. We've also got some fun audio we're going to bring you from a couple of the players as well. But first thing to look at, Steve, 2-1 win over Salt Lake, very entertaining game, end-to-end stuff at some points in the second half as well, and all round a very good day for the Whitecaps. Yeah, the game flowed, uh, we, uh, we were talking about it during the game, the second half just went by so fast, was wondering like where the time went. Um, like you said, great end-to-end stuff. A couple of fantastic goals, especially in the first half by uh, two midfielders. Yeah, before we get to the goals, it was a bit of a slow start to the game for, for both teams. I think they were trying to sound each other out. And the turf the, too. Yeah, sign out the new turf as well. Whitecats had the best chance to take the lead. Gerson Kofi, 24th minute, crashed a shot off the crossbar where he really should have scored. Yeah, and it's a, a goal where he, it, uh, if you see the highlights and, and see the replay of what he did, he basically took a, a swing at the ball instead of just quickly, like, you know, simply guiding it into the net. And it, 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 sh- it would have been an easy one because he was wide open in that uh, 12-yard area. Yeah, he definitely should have scored it. He knows he should have scored it. Robbo knows he should have scored it. Actually, let, let's just play my favorite bit from Robbo post-game. Uh, where he's he's been praising Gershon for his goal, which we're going to come to in a sec. Then he also had this little word for Gershon as well. It's a beauty today, it really was. And he missed a sitter as well, just so I'll keep his feet on the ground. So as we said, Gershon really should have put the Whitecaps in the lead there. Twelve minutes later, though, he did. Yeah. Uh, found the back of the net with a screamer, an unstoppable 25-plus yard effort that just beat Romando all ends up nestling nicely into the posted stamp corner. Yeah, he stripped the ball of uh, our favourite little guy, well, our favourite little guy to hate, uh, Plata. Uh, stripped the ball of him. Very and then, quick thinking by, by Kofi to, to do that. Yeah, I took one touch and just, just ripped it into the top corner. Romando, maybe if he's six foot four, he has a chance to stop it, but at this at that point, no way that he's going to stop that ball. And I asked Gershon after the game, like, how the goal played out to him, and he said he saw the ball coming to, to Plata, 
He knew that he couldn't turn inside because there was too many players there. So the only thing he could do was turn to the outside. So really good anticipation from Kofi to, to know that Platt was going to do that. And vision as well. Yeah, pounced on the loose ball. Brilliant strike. And that's the thing. We know that Kofi has that in his locker. Yeah. We know that he can He's done he about do four or five times in the past. But it's the inconsistency of it all. For every one that he does like that, he's maybe got nine or ten that just go wayward and flying all over the place. And the thing is, he doesn't need to score every time. He just needs to get on net because there's a, a number of players are, will be around the box who can who can uh, deposit it in. Similar to the Caleb Clark goal you're going to see today because one of the players uh, shot the ball in from distance. Caleb Clark stayed on side. The, ball, the goalkeeper wasn't able to gather it. He deposited it in. Same thing with what Kofi can provide. Get the ball on net and they could score goals that way. Garbage goals, basically. And it's the inconsistency of them that's really frustrating. It frustrates me, it has for a couple of years now. It frustrates Carl Robinson as well, and he made mention of that after the game. The fact that he can play great for one game, but he can never seem to really string a set of games together. He'll play good for one game, then have a couple of games where he just disappears. And Carl basically says, if he can find that consistency, that's the difference between where he is just now and making him one of the best players in MLS. But it's frustrating that he's not doing that. And he, he's been like this for a couple of seasons now, and it's this inconsistency that basically stops him now being a regular starter under Carl Robinson. Yeah, he, he, uh, maybe this is the turnaround point where he can provide some consistency because he's gonna might get a, a few games here and there where he's going to be starting more with Tiber going to Gold Cup and everything like that. So it's a, it's a chance for him to provide it. This is a good time to do it because they need him badly. Yes, it's a chance, but can he take that chance? How many times have we said, oh, he's got a goal now, this is the time for him to be more consistent and, and make his mark in this team? He's still let down a lot as well by his, his lack of discipline and the, the amount of bookings that he picks up. But anyway, well, well done Gershon getting the goal. I don't want to sound like I'm piling on to him there. But the, the Whitecats had a couple of chances to, to add to that. They didn't. And they were made to pay. The joy was short-lived, right on the stroke of half-time. Real Salt Lake, tie it up, one apiece. Fantastic free kick by yeah, Javier It was Morales. a bullet. It was a blast. Uh, uh, you know, almost unstoppable. But you had an issue with the wall being the way it was lined up. For me, the way that Eisted lined his wall up was shocking. And it's not, not like Eisted to do that. He, he left such a big gap to the right of the wall. And you should check out some of the photos we have on AFTN from Residual Image. Tom captures it brilliantly. The way that Morales hit the free kick, the wall would have to have been over several feet yeah. for it to have made any difference. But even if it had been over a few more feet, it could have made him think a little bit more. I know, but it would I, have adjust, made him adjust something. I, I think he just saw the gap there, and he's the kind of guy that, that takes that. And he, he definitely made the most of the opportunity. Him and Kofi and Papa from Seattle are going to going to be battling it out, I think, for the goal of the week contender. Yeah, definitely. It's one of the three. I, I, at this point, I'd probably give it to Evil Morales at this point. That was basically just before the half. You were hoping that it didn't, you know, destroy the morale of the Whitecaps. They came out, though. The RSL seemed to carry it a little bit, but then they were going back and forth. Like you said, it was end-to-end -end action at that point. The, the one big chance that they had, uh, the Whitecaps had initially, was the Rivero chance when Labo found him over the top. And uh, Romando, uh, Rivero, sorry, took his chance, went right at the goalie and just shot it straight out really hard down low. And uh, Romando was able to get down and deflect it wide. It was a good stop from Romando. And it's like what we've seen him do in MLS time and time again. So you have to give credit to the keeper. 
but Rivero has to score in a situation like that, especially when it's on a bit of a gold drought. And he wants to play at a higher level than MLS. He said that when he came here. He's using MLS as a stepping stone to get some more skills, maybe move into one of the big leagues in Europe. And it's finishing chances like that that is the difference between a guy making it in Europe and a guy just playing in MLS and, and maybe some of the lower leagues across the world. If he can't finish those chances on a regular basis, you're not going to make that next step up. No. And then, but then you had uh, then later on in the match, uh, the outset came up huge. Um, it was a corner set piece by RSL. Got over to Vasquez. Vasquez had the top corner all to himself, headed it right into the best spot. But outset came up, dived, got a fist to it, and bumped it out. Fantastic stop by him. Yeah, not for the first time this season. Outset comes up with a big game-turning moment. You had a horrible feeling that the miss by Rivero was going to be that game-turning moment. Thankfully, it didn't prove to be that way. And, I mean, Usted came up with a fantastic stop, basically clawing it off the line. Morales was behind him. He may have headed it off the line. But another save of the week contender from Usted. And it, it just gave the, the Whitecaps momentum to kind of push on. And, and they certainly did, forcing string after string of corners. And then going on forward, there was a moment in the 70th minute where they were just like piling on corners. It was like eight corners in a matter of five minutes. And, and But they only got one chance of it, but they were putting the pressure on the RSL at that point. Yeah, I mean, the, the RSL defence, it, it was bending. But th th that's the thing with the Whitecaps this year. They've been really poor at set pieces. They haven't scored from a corner. They did score from a free kick last week in Colorado, but of course that didn't count. count. Yeah. Um, but they, they have been struggling with set pieces and it's surprising when yeah. you saw that you had Kahn and Watson at the start of yeah. the season you thought oh that aerial threat that's going to get them so many and goals Rivero. or corners and yeah. Rivero too and they just haven't done it I mean both Kendall and Pa yesterday had a number of chances which was good to see but you kind of feel that once one of them or both of them get their first goal that it, maybe it's going to open the floodgates a bit but that's the difference for me between the Whitecaps being a team like Seattle, like LA, that's constantly at the top of the table, which, yeah, for now, the joint top of the West at the time of recording this, and they, they need to, to stay there. They have to take the chance. They have to be better in the final third, and they have to score goals from set pieces, which they're just not doing. Yeah, but two, two three minutes later, they were able to score. Um, it was a fantastic finish by Chichera. Finally, the bug came and scored. Laba was able to cross the ball into the box. Rivero got to it. Headed it high up in the air, and that's where the mistake happened by RSL, where Vasquez thought he was supposed to just, he was going to chest it down to Ramondo. Ramondo thinking Vasquez was going to clear the ball, just bump it out. Both guys got their wires crossed. Teixeira took the advantage, got, was stopped initially, followed up and just slipped it into the empty net. Yeah, it was a, another great bit of anticipation by a Whitecaps player to share this time. The look on Vasquez's face is a picture. Try and see that in the TV replays or, again, go to AFTN, look at Tom's photos. And he, it's just, you can see Vasquez going, no! Yeah. And after the game, Romando said it was just a, a language difference. It was a communication breakdown. I don't know how, because it was obvious what Vasquez was trying to do. Romando, for me, was the one at fault there. Some folk are saying Vasquez should just have like booted the ball away, but I think what well, he was trying to do was the right thing and just well, remind it was too slow. Yeah, you'll hear from the co uh, coach Kassara in a second here. He's the one that mentioned that that's their rule always. Balls in that area, just bump it out. Don't even bother with it. I mean, it was great for Teixeira. Showed great anticipation, as we said. Nipped in, 
looked like Romando had maybe thwarted him to start with, but then rounded him, slotted it home nicely. Huge weight off his back. He's got that first goal now. He's got better and better as the weeks have gone on. And I think that's going to be the, just like giving the confidence now to just get even better with this white cap side. And for me, he's now the, the starting left midfielder. Yeah, definitely. I don't see anybody uh, taking him out at this point, because especially with Mane's struggles when he does start. So it would be definitely a, a to share going forward. And it, the thing that impressed about me, he didn't slow down after that first stop. He continued with his run and got the ball and slipped it in. Most Some players, like uh, I'll mention Maddox, who maybe get stopped initially will put their head in their hands and just like lament that first miss but he didn't he went all forward and got the goal I was worried he was going to get squashed there um, by yeah, the White Cash player big pile on. the big pile of I was showing my wife the goal when I got home and she was like oh my god they're all jumping on him yeah and he's only like 5 foot 2 so luckily he wasn't squashed like a bug but he got definitely uh, definitely a big goal and got the 3 points yeah match winning goal Caps held on nicely saw the game out well which was good so before we talk any more about some of the individual player performances, let's hear a little bit from Carl Robinson after the game. You can find his full audio on the Whitecaps website. And Steve, you headed to the RSL locker room and spoke to RSL head coach, Jeff Kassar. So good to get that win with the big road trip coming up. Uh, very important, I think. You know, I was, I was dreading coming in here and saying to you guys, oh, yeah, we played really well, but we didn't win. You know, because that's the frustration I felt after 45 minutes because I thought we were absolutely excellent in the first 45 minutes without scoring more than one goal. And they're dangerous offset plays and set pieces, and I knew they would be, and we were giving up one or two silly free kicks. And, you know, if you give Morales an opportunity, he scores. Uh, so I was disappointed, but pleased. Um, but it was an important win. Some of the best players we've seen for maybe the whole season for the team. It is, and you know we can do that. You know whether we can score enough goals to win games has been the, the big question. And as I said to the guys in there today, uh, and openly at halftime, I said, you know, well played, but I'm sick of saying well played, but we're not winning. Let's go out and challenge. And I, you know, after the game, it was nice because I said the the group can go to to a very special place if they really believe they can uh, and want to win today. I found out a lot about them and it was pleasing for them because, as he said, it was an important win. We did enough to uh, get a win or a result uh, and we made enough bad plays to uh, walk out of here with nothing. What did you think of the, the winning game? Uh, really uh, unhappy, you know. Uh, you know, I thought Elias had a very good game uh, for the most part in that game. Uh, yeah, he's a new player. He's a Hispanic player who maybe the communication with our uh, Ramondo wasn't the best. And, um, but, you know, at that junction of the game, it's boom, get it out of, you know, it's the risk to reward. Uh, we talk about it all, uh, all the time and, uh, that, you know, it's a learning, it's a learning experience. But I, but I thought he had a very good game. Did, did the the sun in Ramondo's? I know it wasn't, wasn't Nick's fault, but it was the sun in his eyes maybe caused a little bit of miscommunication there. I don't know. I haven't I haven't exactly spoke to him on about uh, what happened. But you know, it, 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 that should be a simple play. Just boom, get it out. You chest it down, get it out. Four of your next five games are on at home. This is a chance to like get some points and, and yeah, like, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's it's been hard for us this year to get a rhythm. Uh, you know, it's one away, 
you know, one at home, one away, one at home, two away, two, you know. And so uh, you can uh, use these home, home games to really get on a streak and, and get going, uh, and we're going to have to do that. So what is it about Vancouver that your team seems to struggle here? The refs. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from refs. Well, I didn't think we struggled tonight. Uh, you know, I mean, we didn't get the result, but you look at everything and, I, I, you know, I think we played a very good game. Same thing in L.A. We were all over them for long stretches of time, and uh, we're, we're doing things to shoot ourselves in the foot. Um, but if we don't give up PKs, we don't give up set play goals, we don't give up, get red cards, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're a pretty good team. But when you gift goals, uh, you, it's tough to get results. So like we said, uh, fantastic return to winning ways for the Whitecaps. Really good to, to get another win at home after all their, their home woes so far this year. Let, let's look at some of the, the individual players. Now, we, we touched on Manny just before we, we went to the coach's audio there. He didn't start, but he came off the bench and again, for 20 minutes, looked electric. And for me, that's how I would use Manny going forward for the next few games just keep him on the bench, have him as that impact player, because when he starts, he's just not cutting it for me. Yeah, he, he basically, uh, I, I thought he might have to start on one of these games against either LA or or, um, or more Montreal because of the, the you know, the, the, to give somebody else a rest. But overall, I think he, I, I think he will do well um, coming off the bench and hopefully maybe it sends a message to him and he does better when he does get his start. Quick look at the defense, starting with Usted. Another fantastic, strong performance oh, by him. Yeah, no question. He, uh, he he had a shout again for the man of the match. There was no doubt. It was just on that one save. And he controlled the box. There was very little chances. Very little chance on the goal by Morales. But overall, and so I thought yeah, I thought he did a fantastic job in the game. Uh, how about the other defenders? Well, I thought I thought Watson and Ka really, uh, once, another game where they both played well. I don't see any problems with their game at all in this one. No, I, I like what they did. Um... What wasn't really any scary moments from either of them. I liked Harvey as well. And something which people probably won't have really picked up that much is when Manny came on, Harvey did really well. There was a couple of times he was telling Kikuta where to run, where to be positioned on the pitch, and it set up a couple of chances for the Whitecaps in the process. Yeah, the, he attacked it. I thought Bateshaw was a little disappointing, though. Um, I always do. So. Yeah, I, I thought, I, but maybe it was just a matter of because he's still coming off that knock, and they don't they don't want him moving up the pitch, and then he has to all of a sudden recover coming back. So maybe there was a reason behind that. Uh, but overall, I think Harvey did was the better of the two uh, fullbacks. Um, and then we talked about Kofi already at length. Laba, I thought, was one, another strong game from him. He didn't, he wasn't overly aggressive in this game. He, he hung back, and, and obviously the. If, if people want to give out that second assist, he got the second assist on the Chichera goal. So it looks like the, the front four has is pretty much set. It's a South American front four. Yeah. We're going to have Rosales on the right, Teixeira on the left, Morales in the middle, Octavio up front. In a perfect Alt world, depending on games and being on the road and like two games in a week and all that kind of stuff, that looks like the favoured front four. Yeah, but although, like you were saying, you know, you got them position-wise... Um, in the certain spots, well, they seemed to flow. Kind of swapped they, a couple of times. Not only well. that, but so a couple of times those two, those two wingers they played in the middle a couple of times, and, yeah. and uh, Morales moved out to the wide. What did you think about Morales in that game uh, in his play? I thought he was all right. It I was average, he, but he didn't have that one shining. There was there wasn't one, wasn't one of those great moments, but he wasn't like he didn't disappear at all during the game, which I think is a positive as well. 
I think the best thing I can say about Morales is that I didn't really notice him, good or bad. So I mean, yeah. that, so that's good. Uh, now, what, what did you make of Rivero's performance? I I, th- I thought he I thought he played well. He, he yes, he should have finished that goal, but I th- overall I thought he did well in holding up the ball. Um, it brought guys like uh, Morales, Rosales, and Tichera into the game, into the attack, and he and he kept the defenders off them, so that they weren't able to get to him, and and it forced the it forced the RSL to midfielders to come back and mark those guys a little deeper, so they didn't have very much going in the attack. I mean, one of the things I noticed was at at set pieces, especially corners, Rivera was playing either at the back of the box or at the top of the box, and he wasn't the one that was was going in for the headers. And we've seen that he's good in the air, but he was kind of there for when the ball came out and kind of loose ball, yeah, Yeah. mop it up. Yeah, that's an interesting tactic that I think will pay off as the season goes on. Well, it makes sense because the guys you want in the you know in the the mixer, as the people say, uh, are the rough and tumble guys. Rivera's a more of a skill guy, so he can probably gather that ball up and try to deposit it in the net through through the crowd. But overall, I thought it was a, a good performance, like you said. Um, now, for me, the, my men of the match, I know Kofi got it. I would have given it to Teixeira or to Rosales. The play of both of them throughout the game that they, when they were on the pitch... Their movement was, was fantastic. Yeah, their yeah. movement was great. They were dangerous throughout. I just thought Myra was really onto his game. He took a couple of kicks that kind of made me kind of flinch a little bit just with the injury troubles that he's had this year. But I thought he was excellent. Yeah, no, his move was fantastic. He knew when to cross it in. He he sent in the good balls. He he seemed to play off um, who, his, whoever was defending him and, and be able to move and, and, and escape him. Uh, he was going up a lot against um, the the newcomer, the homegrown guy for ourselves, Glad. And while Glad had you know he he had a decent game, but Rosales was able to uh, make space for himself and, and be more creative. I think one of the things as well that we, we should acknowledge is that it wasn't a full-strength RSL side. Yeah, they had two, two games in four days. They had a very uh, strong bench, though. <laughs> yeah, very strong bench. Very young team out there. Very inexperienced team. And they, they've been prone to make defensive errors, and they, they made defensive errors again. But just going back to Rosales, the, the other thing that Rosales can do is he can play this number 10 role, yeah. which is going to give Pedro a break or maybe give Pedro a chance to play in a slightly different position on the pitch. And get him away from those defenders that always seem to be kicking at him. So, talking of Mauro, you might have read my chat I had with him on MLSsoccer.com last week. That was just part of a, a long chat we had. We, kind of, we talked for about eight minutes. So we're going to play you the full interview just now. Just talking about his injuries this season, playing the number 10 role. A little bit as well, we spoke before Saturday's game about what's maybe been wrong with their home form and just how good can this Whitecaps team be. So here is Mauro Rosales. So Mauro, you've had a tough year so far with injuries, just the the way that things have worked out. First thing to really ask you, I mean, how, how are you feeling now after everything that's happened? Uh, in this moment, in the process of recovery, I have a bruise uh, rib, but uh, I guess I have to get used to the last couple of games that I was in, on it. I, I was hit very hard, so I have to be uh, be careful in that in that place, not going too too strong or too probably lighter in uh, into the place, and try to avoid the the injury. It's not funny to to be recovering all the time from something. Uh, I have very serious injury in my ankle and also now in the rib, but uh, I hope uh, it's the last one. I hope it's the last one and I can go free pain uh, through the games and and try to help the team the best I can. 
Now, I, I know like no, no one deliberately goes out to target a player, but the way that it's looked this year, it's like because you're one of the flair players on the team, do you feel you've attracted more attention and that... I, I've never seen, like last season, you didn't get as many players tackling you, but then there was the injury against Chicago, and then as soon as you came back against Salt Lake, there was that tackle as well, um, and then against Philly, you limped off. I mean, have you felt that, that you've had more attention this year? Uh, I don't know, probably I'm getting more involved into the middle where it's too crowded for players, and I'm easily the target from them too to get me down but I don't know if he obviously if he they are just trying to do that I, I, I hope that it's not like that but I'm easy target in the middle just in the position where I play always coming somebody from behind always coming summon somebody to get the ball in probably in the in, in a full speed like I did and always uh, became dangerous every every single play that I made but obviously uh, I have to be careful like I told you before try to be more smart get away from them and uh, yeah avoid that 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 that's these tackles now you came back on Saturday down in Colorado and you played the number 10 role now you looked really good in that I mean it, it seems really suited for your game because you're quick with the one-two passes do you prefer playing more in the middle than out in the wing? Uh, I like both. It's just uh, playing in the right, I have the option to go to the middle and sometimes I, I do it. If I see the space there, if it's not Pedro or, or the guy that's playing in the middle uh, over there, I can just sneak out and I put me in, in the number 10 position and also let uh, uh, sure to go uh, in the in the flanks, just going over me, but there is options. The options that the coach has also, uh, he knows that they can play there. I feel really confident, just getting more balls, trying to let the team play and going forward. We we create many chances in in, in Colorado, even playing away. So uh, it's an option that we have, and that, uh, as soon as the coaches want it, and I, I will be able to to help the team. Now, I know it must have been uh, really difficult for you watching all the games from the sidelines this year, but f- from sitting there, it's given you a- an idea to see how the team's been playing. What have you made of the play in recent weeks? What is it do you feel maybe hasn't been clicking or what's happening in the final third? Um, I guess uh, uh, our, let's say, problem, but it's not the problem, it's probably that we cannot keep the same intense that how we start the game uh, and to end the games or when we have the game on hand we are too confident to don't shut out that uh, that game and just let them come back sometimes we have to just play more smart just more calm not trying to go uh, back and forth all the time because that is gonna uh, put us in the position to 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 let them uh, create options, these risky positions that we use because we are too many guys to, to attack and we let the, the central midfielders alone. So uh, having the result in our hands, we have to be more, more, more smart to, to be in, in, in the shape, in the correct shape to, to hold the games and to uh, control the game and uh, keep the, the possession of the, of the ball, just 
this is the, the best way to us to to complete the games. But we are not doing that. We want to score five goals in every game, and we can do that. So uh, I think this is one one of the reasons that we we probably taking some some risks that we don't we don't have. Um, the home form for the team it hasn't been that that good compared to on the road. What do you think's behind that? Is it just that teams are like they're almost playing like how you play on the road at BC Place, and yeah, you're struggling to break them down? They play in the same way that we play in the row, but also like I told you before, we wanted to we get excited because we wanted to let the fans enjoy the game, enjoy uh, our, our team scoring and going forward on creating chances and probably this is the time that we should keep, uh, make a pause and, and, and just control the game, not just going back and forth because the games in, in, in home, they're going, you attack, the other teams attack, they're going like crazy all the time, they've uh, for the most of the game, and this is not the way that we wanted to play. And sometimes we obviously we we got the result easily because we we score fast, or in the moment that the other team is playing better, we score so we can control the game in that way. But it, it was always we get excited to be in home, and we try to score right away. And uh, we have to understand that the game is 90 minutes. And you you win if you score in the 90 minutes or if you go if you score in the first, it, it worth the same. So we have to be a little bit more smart in that point. I mean, you've been in MLS this will be your fifth season now. From the teams you've seen before that you've been with, how good do you think this team is, and how how far how deep can they go this year? Do you think one of the best for sure? One of the best. They have the quality. They have the youth. They have the experience to. The players, they have young players with experience, and uh, uh, this team is going to do the right way. Is, uh, I play against many teams, but this one is one of the best. That uh, uh, to face, I think, is no one's want to face the team that is all the time pressing, all the time uh, getting the ball. Good players, tough defenders. Uh, it's a difficult team to to beat. We we show that and. Uh, playing in the row, we chose that playing home uh, against good teams. So we we need just get a little bit more, like uh, like I told you before, just be a little bit more smart. But this become because we are a young team, uh, not me, but the team is pretty much uh, every every player is young. So uh, the exciting that they have all the time to go forward, go forward, go forward. Sometimes. We have to calm down, just be smart and just control the game. That's great. Thank you so much for your time. Good luck. Thanks, Myra. Rosales uh, talking to Michael uh, before the game obviously one of the things that might help Moro um, stay injury free is a better turf and the Whitecaps did play on that new BC Place turf for the first time yesterday unfortunately they didn't get a chance to train on it 
But overall, the feelings were mixed. I was in the RSL dressing room and we had Romando saying that, you know, it was, uh, it was something that probably needs to get worked in a little bit. Beckerman hated it. He was talking to Tyler Green about that. Beckerman basically said it doesn't matter what turf you have down there, it's going to be crappy, yeah. which seems a little bit strange. No, he but, said it was the worst in MLS, essentially. I mean, Be- Beckerman strikes me as somebody that likes grass. Yeah, I, I was surprised about that. And then, and then uh, the coach essentially said, you know, his shoes got dirty, so that was all he had to say about it. Yeah, and Robo's shoes got green as well, so it kind of spoiled his fashionista kind of look. Yeah, but overall, I, I, it looked really green. It looked good on TV, so maybe that's why maybe they picked this one, so it looks good for the World Cup. But overall, I think it needs to get worked in, and I think that'll happen over the next little bit. It definitely will happen by the time the Whitecaps play on it again. Oh, yeah, I mean, the, the women are going to like get it nicely worked in for when the Whitecaps get back on July 12th, so at least that, that's one good thing about being on the road. I, I felt it was very slippy, as if it had been, like, overwatered. They were saying it actually needs to be watered more. Really? I'm surprised to hear that they said that because it it looked really slippy to me. Players were falling over all over the place. But they were talking about the dust coming up. The dust, like, was... was, a lot of dust. And I actually, after I went to the RSL locker room, I did go onto the turf and check it out. There was a lot of dust. There was another journalist there as well. And on on the bottom of her shoe, it got green really quickly. On mine, it wasn't too bad. But on hers, it was got... Just by stepping on it a couple steps. So it was definitely... An issue, and, and some of the players were complaining that they got blinded by it as well. They got in their eyes. Wow. I mean, on TV, it looked great. It looked really, really green. Yeah. It's just what, I mean, it's like HD-ready turf or something that is yeah. what they were saying it was. And BC Place is now one of only three stadiums throughout the whole world that actually has that, that kind of pitch. Bayern Munich actually have it in Hoffenheim in one of the training facilities. Yeah. But... I didn't think it looked that good in person. It looks good on TV. It still looked really patchy to me in person. I just didn't like the look of it at all. I think it might have got rushed. I think they still probably need to work on it and get it all like melded together. So I think that's still going to happen over time. I, it kind of looked like it was already marked out for NFL or CFL lines, which obviously it wasn't. Yeah. But it's just the way that the strips had been laid. It just, I, I just. I think it's still giving some time. We'll see when the World Cup kicks off. See how it looks at that point. Yeah, we'll also see once there's been a few monster truck shows on it as well. But yeah. I mean, all in all, great, great to have the new turf. I mean, the Whitecaps are unbeaten on it now. Let's hope they can keep that going. So after getting used to, to playing on this turf pitch, the Whitecaps now have two more games coming up in quick succession, and they'll actually be on grass. Yeah. They head to Montreal on Wednesday. They head to LA on Saturday. And I think the, the one thing we can be sure of is with three games in eight days, it's going to be a little bit more squad rotation. Yeah, definitely squad rotation. Uh, obviously, this is going to be their first game of five straight on the road. Um, they do have a bye weekend there as well, yeah, which helps a little. A lot, yeah. I think it helps a lot because that, that that's going to be from LA. They don't want to go all the way back to New York a week later. So, but uh, overall, I, I think um, there will be squad rotation. As, as, we, as if you were watching the WFC2 game, Rodriguez and Parker were playing, started as center backs. They came off at halftime. So you can maybe read into that. I mean, Diego is going to play on Wednesday. You have to think it's going to be Diego starting beside Kendall. And maybe with Parker coming off at halftime, maybe Parker is, they've got an eye on him playing at right back instead of Betashore. Exactly. And I think the reason why they want to do that is because maybe Betashore is a little hurt and they don't want him traveling unnecessarily for yep, those games. Keep him for the, the big game against LA, the more experienced guy. Yeah. Let's look over this road trip really quickly, and, and what what do you what are your expectations of this road trip? You got obviously, like we said, Montreal, LA next week, week off, New England, New York, and then Colorado to finish it off before coming back to play Kansas City. 
there's definitely points uh, that are very, very much up for grabs there. Uh, Montreal, they've got a chance of going there if they play a strong enough team and get all three points. I'd be happy with a draw there. LA, not expecting anything from that at all. New York, that's going to be a tough one as well. New England, I, that's going to be an exciting end-to-end game. I think they could get a draw out of that and then hopefully round off the trip with three points in Colorado. They have to beat Colorado. That's essential. Um, they, for me, I mean, five games, 15 points up for grabs. If they can take anything six or more, I'd be happy with that. I'm, I'm thinking that uh, the, the two games you want to win are the bookend games, Montreal the first one here, and then the last one against uh, Colorado. If they could pick up either a win or a draw, maybe after the bye week, that would be really beneficial. I mean, the way that the Whitecaps' home form has been, it's maybe not so bad to actually get on the road because they're playing really well on the road. They've never lost by more than one goal on the road so far this season. So I know it's not a pretty game to watch, but you can entertain all the time. It's like, basically, it's all about the wins. And I don't care how the Whitecaps get the wins as long as they get the wins. Just muck it out on the road and get the victory. So how important is this trip going to be? And is it actually an advantage to be on the road? That's actually something I asked Robbo. So let's hear what he had to say about that. With the way that the team's played on the road, is it maybe not as daunting as it would have been in previous seasons to do this trip? Even last year, going on the road wasn't that daunting for us, you know, because we played well at times without getting results. Good teams are able to grind and dig out results away from home. And, you know, we've done that so far this year, but um, it, it can change at the drop of a hat. We know that. We know we're a decent team on the road. Uh, we're hard to beat. Uh, if we do the small jobs very well, you know, we got chances because we will create chances whether we'll take our chances you know last game we did um, which was why we won the game the game before we didn't which is why we lost the game so it's going to be you know again fine lines extra extra read all about it extra extra don't press stop just yet we have a little bit of extra for you here following Monday night's CONCACAF Champions League draw which I'm sure we were all glued to especially for the, the ball girls who were Absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's something that I think would brighten up everything in life, just having girls in skin-tight black dresses just doing things for you. We, we hope to maybe have them on the podcast just to, to be our helpers because obviously they've got nothing to do now for another year. But the draw was made. Maybe not quite what everyone was wanting. I know that most of us were really hoping that we might get a trip to Mexico out of it, especially Club America, Azteca Stadium. Spoke to Jordan Harvey on Monday at training and we just kind of talked about what the various scenarios were, were possibly going to be and, and when we were discussing that he might have the chance to play at the Azteca he's, he said just even talking to me about it he was, he was getting goosebumps. So that's what it would have meant to the players to, to play on the big stage of that. It is kind of disappointing in the Whitecaps' first ever Champions League campaign that they're facing a familiar foe. Seattle Sounders, there are a lot of positives for it For one, a lot more Whitecaps fans can definitely make a trip and see their first ever away Champions League game. I know I'm really excited to to see that, so that's good. Short travel in what is going to be a horrendously busy month. Fixtures aren't out yet, but we know that the games are going to be played in August, September and October. If the Whitecaps end up having two games in August, then they're going to have a nine-game month. Horrendous. Really hard to cope with. Gonna push the Whitecaps' strength of their depth, their basic squad strength, to, to the to the max, really. And talking of that, I asked Carol at training on Monday 
Whether he had any plans to make some additions to the squad in the transfer window in July with the multitude of matches that's coming up in August in mind. So let, let's just hear what Robo had to say about that. With how busy the club's going to be in August going forward, what's your plans for the transfer window? Do you expect to be busy in that and make more additions? No, we're, we're at the full complement at the moment, so you know there's not going to be probably too much movement on that. You know We are looking at certain players uh, with a keen eye on them. You know, we've, there's a number of players out of contract at, at the moment, which we all know about, and you know their agents will be touting around to every single club in Major League Soccer, and you know, I'm sure the LAs and the New York will be top of the list, like they are with most people. But you know, we'll we'll do our business quietly, we'll get on with it, and you know, we we, we know who we'd like to identify now in January as well. Uh, you know, we're trying to be steps ahead of of certain people because we can't compete in certain ways, so uh, we'll just be proactive rather than reactive. So as we say, Seattle in the Champions League, two games against them, home and away. Going to be a fantastic atmosphere at BC Place, fantastic atmosphere at the Clink. In many ways, it's very fitting that the Whitecaps and the Sounders have been drawn together for, for this campaign. It's a Cascadia group, Group F. I think we all know what the F stands for. And it just adds to the storied history of the two teams. They've played games against each other since 1974 in NASL in APSL, in USL, MISL even, and now into the MLS era. Now, even further, going into the Champions League era. So it's going to be a great occasion. Hopefully the Whitecaps will get the better of them and advance to the quarterfinals. Then we can maybe get our, our dream tie in Mexico, or maybe a nice trip to the sunshine in the Caribbean. For now though, I'm packing away my mankini. I might wear it down to the clink, but not sure how it, how it would really go down in Seattle. Or perhaps it would be me that was going down, probably from the top floor of the stadium. The Whitecaps sent Bobby Leonard Doozy down to the draw on Monday, and he did a conference call after the event with a few of us. I was a little bit worried when, when those girls came out drawing the balls. I thought, oh, Bobby's an old man now. It might not be good for his ticker seeing all that, but he was fine. He survived. He came onto the conference call. To, to talk about the fact that the Whitecaps have got Seattle. Also, we shouldn't overlook the third team in the group, Honduran champions CD Olympia. They've been Honduran champions 28 times. This is their eighth Champions League campaign. Very experienced team. I think we all know that playing in Honduras, it's a whole different atmosphere. Something that the, the Whitecaps aren't used to. The Whitecaps do have the advantage that they have a number of South Americans in their team. And I think that the Whitecaps are a team built for Champions League success. Dealing with those hostile environments, dealing with the the crowds, throwing bags of piss, throwing God knows what, shining lasers on you. It It's something, it's never easy to kind of face, but it's something that I think that the Whitecaps players are going to be ready for. So let's hear now from Whitecaps president Bobby Leonard Doozy, just talking about the Champions League draw and what it means to Vancouver Whitecaps. Couldn't be any closer and couldn't be any farther away almost, right? <laughs> well, and to add to that, it, it probably couldn't be any more competitive. I, I think we've, we've definitely got the, the most difficult group of the eight. We've got the um, Honduran champions and the uh, supporters shield champions. So I, I, there is some benefit to, to it being Seattle in that uh, it's the bus ride, uh, but at the same time, it's uh, it'll be extremely competitive. And uh, Olympia, 
been there eight times, um, got to the quarterfinals last year. And uh, so neither will be an easy game. Bobby, have you tried to prevent Carl from watching the YouTube videos of the Deguchi Calpa Airport? <laughs> he knows all about that, and so do I. <laughs> uh, now, yes, would you fly in there, do you think? I would think so, yeah. I'm not sure there's any other way to get there. and I, I, uh, it's, that, That's the short runway, right? The, uh, yeah, that's, uh, some, some teams have flown in the other one and, and bust, actually, to, to, to Gucci Galpa. Well, uh, now that we know uh, where we're going, <laughs> we'll, obviously, well, we'll figure out when we're going and then uh, look at uh, routes to get in there. And, I mean, it's, um, that there, there's... There's been plenty discussed about the, the airport, but I, I don't believe there's had any real serious incidents there. So um, soon we're going to get there and be in for a difficult match. I've, I've had plenty of experience in Honduras, Honduras as a player and a coach, and the one thing that you do get there is you get a fantastic uh, atmosphere. So it, uh, we've got that to look forward to. Just wondering, when you saw that it was going to be Seattle, what was the first thought that came into your head? I was actually quite pleased. I, I, I haven't spoken to Carl yet, so I'm not sure how he feels. But I do feel that with the, the fixture congestion that we're likely to have, and uh, doesn't necessarily mean that we're playing them in August, but it could be August, September, October that the games take place. But regardless, the, the fact that it's a, a short hop um, is something that is beneficial, and that's obviously counted by the fact that they are a very good side, and I'm assuming that we'll all either be fighting for, or at least the two of us will be fighting for playoff spots or or, uh, or the supportive shield so that there'll be something on the line in terms of MLS play that uh, once we get close to the, the fixtures, then you're going to have to start uh, determining what, what your lineups are. And um, But it'll be the same for for all MLS, MLS clubs that uh, are involved in Champions League. Can you just take us through what, what happens now, how how the actual schedule is determined? Yeah, there's there's dates that have been allocated for the um, for the, the competition to take place, and uh, then it comes down to stadium availability, potential fixture conflicts, and um, those dates will be established over the next, uh, I'm sure uh, it won't take all that long, but it'll it'll be at least a week to, to two weeks, or, and, and potentially a little longer to uh, to sort all of that out. Playing Seattle, do you think it uh, helps you that you're very familiar with that side, or do you think it'll be harder because they'll know you just as well? The one thing that is a blessing is, is the distance. Um, we could have got a um, a Mexican club or even another. MLS club, it, it, uh, it, it could have been D.C., and all of a sudden then you're, you're traveling to the east. So that, that definitely is a benefit, and, and, but we know, and as recently as three weeks ago, when they came into to Vancouver and um, looked a very good side. And so they are one of the best teams in MLS. So the, the fact that it is a short distance is a, a benefit, but you're also playing against one of the best teams in MLS. Now, I know it's really early logistically to look at this, but is the Seattle game maybe a kind of game that you would look at opening up extra seats for at BC Place? Uh, 
Yeah, it is early, and it is a. It will be a, obviously a midweek fixture, so I think we'll we'll play it by ear at this point, and and um, probably determine. Uh, well, I, I I don't anticipate that we will be opening up more seats for that match. Um, uh, so I think we just carry on um, on the basis of how we've been adopting uh, our our position thus far, and that is we just. Hope to, to put 21,000 people in there for the game, and, and I think in that regard, it, it actually um, is a is a good fixture from the point of view of the, the level of interest that there should be, and then similarly from the Honduran side, they're they're a good side, good Central American side, but uh, I know that when I was coaching Canada and we played uh, Canada, or we played Honduras at, at Swan Guard, that we actually did have a number of Hondurans there that were either from uh, Vancouver or uh, close enough that they they made an effort to get here. So, you know that that is something that uh, ideally will be reflected in in the number of people that attend the uh, match. Anyway, that's it for this episode of the podcast. Until next time, Steve, just let everyone know where they can find you online. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. And I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff, AFTN, AFTN.ca. I'm also the Whitecaps Beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com. So until next time, thanks for listening. Take care. And as always, Mon the Caps. When you're listening in some far-flung corner of the globe to the world service of a Saturday afternoon, frankly reception, interference, cosy, marvellous. Somehow comforting, isn't it? You know, legendary names, fathers and sons on the terraces, cheesy peas at half-time, pipe for dad, mum's at home making the tea. Oh, everything's all right with the world, isn't it? Saturday afternoon is football. Hmm? Yeah, but the-